Hi everybody, this is Colin jumping in with a quick content warning. We get into some dark, creepy stuff in Dice Populi a lot, but this episode contains some particularly gritty depictions of violence and, uh, I'd say verbal abuse. Some stuff that if you feel like that is going to make you uncomfortable, I just want to let you know ahead of time so you can proceed in the way that works best for you. That said, I'm really proud of the story that we did put together. It is cult, after all, but let me get out of your way and let's get back to this happy, cheery theme song. The Badlands. That name used to feel... disingenuous. You've never seen the mainland, travelers will say, but it doesn't matter to you. Magic is part of everyday life. The town of Woodholm is a commercial haven, second only to its rocky sister village to the north. There are no taxes, no keepers, just open sea and friendly neighbors. How bad could the Badlands be? That feeling has faded away since your mother's disappearance. There is no authority to look for her, and your neighbors saw nothing. In your tireless search across Woodholm and the surrounding waters, you found very little. A torn rag with spots of blood. That could be anybody's. Wild animals are everywhere. The voices cast doubt. But you never forgot her favorite dress, nor the color of the hairs stuck to its remnants. Friends are hard to come by. Mother was irreplaceable. You have learned from your father his cleric ways, but have chosen to push your arcane knowledge further. Simple healing will not save your mother. It takes powers darker and greater to return life to those that may have died. So, you practiced, you studied, revive a wilted flower, breathe life into a baby turtle on the beach, with each attempt, you grow more confident that you can save your mother. Maybe the Badlands aren't so bad after all. Kalt, today is the day. You have prepared in secret for years to cast a spell you simply call Resurrection. Your father awaits you in the village temple. He doesn't know what you have planned, but you need one last thing to complete the ritual. A pure, brilliant diamond, more valuable than what anyone here would have. You approach Uge, a dock worker and your dear friend, as he helps to dock a Mage Lord trade vessel that you suspect has your bounty inside. Now, as you approach Uge, human, much like yourself, a little bit younger, uh, takes a look up at you and says, Hey, hey, put one of these on! And he tosses you a vest, much like those that other dock workers wear. Not a uniform, just, you know, pockets and places for tackling tools, a quick way to identify who should be working on this ship. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, no, I had to is get that. Is that what that. Sounds No, like? no, no, uh, <laughs> his voice is gonna, uh, yeah, sure, I, I can do that. L listen, they don't know our faces, just, just play it cool, all right? I just don't want to get in trouble. I, I'd hate to make my dad upset. You know how he gets. Am I level one or level two? Level one. Okay, that, perfect, perfect. Uh, as you call out your uh, your father's behavior, he sort of nods and his eyes look to the side like, yeah, I know. But then he, he quickly uh, shuffles over to you, trying not to draw the attention of the mage lords up on the dock. Uh, and he whispers into, into your ear, look, I heard they have what you're looking for. Hmm? And he opens his eyes wide at you, raising his eyebrows. Do you really think they could have it? Well, the transport logs will tell you for sure. I'm... I'm not sure where it's kept. They're not going to bring something like that out here, not to a village like ours. I mean, I would do anything to get my hands on it. Well, listen, when I poked around last month, I saw the cargo is all the way at the bottom, and everybody else kind of stayed on the first deck down. Couldn't really push any further than that, but that's what I saw. Maybe down there is where you got to look. All right, so so what's the plan? How, how do we get it? How, how, how would I even get on, on in that ship? 
he sits there and he like scratches his head looking up kind of waving away at the people on the ship as they throw ropes down to him and stuff like that he catches it and tries to go about his work look man last month i boarded without anybody asking questions i got to see inside it's crazy in there if you just keep your head down keep the vest on Take a look in the lower half of the ship. I, I don't know. They got a lot of stuff on there. That's all, that's all I know for sure. I'm telling you, the transport logs, that's probably where it's going to be written down. But the bookkeeper always is waiting up there at the top of the plank, watching everyone come up and come down. I have no idea if he even keeps it on him. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to look around for anything to like just to carry. Mm-hmm. Like Nobody stops a person carrying something. Ah, that's a good point. Um, you see a laundry basket that hides the fact that you're pregnant on season four of this sitcom. No, um, you see, uh, you see just a whole bunch of crates and boxes, like stuff with tools, stuff with goods. Woodholm's primary exports are primarily lumber related. So you're not going to be carrying any big logs onto the ship. Uh, but there are smaller things with like tools and fasteners that you could easily bring on board. Uh, Colt's going to try and pick up like one of the burlier looking boxes and then immediately realize <laughs> he is not that strong and he's going to go for a medium sized one. Wait, no. <laughs> when he goes to lift up the first box, I'd like you to make a strength save. Oh, strength save, you say. Yeah, I know Colt's mm. best stat. Roll to pull his back. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's a 12 minus oon. Okay. Uh, you go to pick up that box, and you actually, at, your back strangely supports it as you manage to stand upright, but as soon as your knees lock into place, you feel like your bones are about to collapse on themselves, and you drop it with uh, an unsavory thud that draws everyone's attention for a second. Oh, my bones. <laughs> That's why we call you the Bone Master. Uh, and then you go and pick up a smaller box and everyone returns their attention to the ship. All right, I'm going to... Got the box. Uh, just uh, maybe, you know, whistle or something if something seems off and I need to get out of there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. He looks a little He looks a little nervous. He, he was okay giving you the info, but getting involved himself, he seems to, like, tense up a little bit. I mean, you know, if it makes sense. Uh, I mean, listen, playing spies is, is pretty fun, but... Ah, think about it. The mage lords, they send their problem people to the Badlands, but we're already here. I mean, yeah, what's the worst they can do? If we piss them off, where do they send us? I mean, that's a solid point. They'll just send us here. And I mean, I'm used to it. Like, you know, maybe it's a better part of the Badlands. Would you say that? Like, that thought never occurred to him, and Uge's just like, oh, huh, maybe that's a, maybe what I said is a good thing. Huh, all right. Well, yeah, okay. Just listen, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hoot twice like a barn owl. And if you hear that, you, there are no barns around here. Cool, cool. They won't think about that. They don't care who we are. No, that makes sense. I'm going to take... Do you know what a barn owl sounds like? Because I'm pretty sure the guy voicing me doesn't, so this could get pretty embarrassing. Uh, who, who? Awesome, cool. I can roll with that. You can even put it together. Be like, oh, ooh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, that just contextualized so many of Pat's roleplay moments for me. I'd say, <laughs> but anyway, it, it, it's cool. It's cool. Um, you know what? I'm gonna. I, I, I don't want to distract you anymore. I don't want to get anybody notice. I'll keep going. I'm gonna take like a couple yeah. steps. I'm gonna stop and like tweak my neck a little bit, like thinking about something, and then I'm going to like kind of roll uh, my uh, eyes. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. And, hey, Colt. One last thing. One last yeah, thing. Yeah. Hey. Um. While you're in there, can you try to do me a favor? Uh. Sh- sure. Uh, what do you need? Listen. The transport logs. They track cargo, but they also track people passengers there's there's a guy on the ship i haven't i haven't seen him in a few trips could you just you just check the log for me see where he's at if you find it oh yeah yeah sure, sure. Uh, what's what's his name his name's carter it's just been longer than i'm comfortable with it would mean so much to me if you could find out but sure yeah i mean i've got if i'm in the log i'm in the log anyway right yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, he, he's about to, like, clap your shoulder in a friendly way, but then quickly, like, realizes that he needs to be sneaky and stands up and just, like, nods at you and turns away and goes back to work on the dock. Yeah, I'm going to take a few steps. And like I was saying, I'm going to kind of, like, th- I'm thinking about something really hard. I'm going to, like, roll my eyes, and I'm going to say a quick prayer, giving myself guidance. Okay. <laughs> you give yourself guidance. That is going to be very helpful because I'm probably going to have you roll a few times here. Uh, as you first uh, step up the plank onto the poop deck, the very top of this very large ship uh, called the SETI Alpha 4, uh, you recognize that as an old human word for seafarer. SETI Alpha 4. Yeah. 
S-E-D-D-E-A-L-F-A. Sedi Alpha. It's the human word for seafarer. Uh, so uh, you step on board the ship. Uh, and it, it creaks under your feet. You feel the lurching back and forth as it settles into the dock. This is not strange to you. You're on fishing vessels all the time around this island, but I still would like you to roll a performance check. Performance? Could it be stealth? Well, right now you're just uh, you're not really trying to evade detection. You're trying to blend in, uh, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna interpret that as it's a performance. negative two. Okay. Oh wow, eighteen minus two mm-hmm. is a sixteen, and then a d four. All right. Uh, three. Uh, so that comes out to a total of nineteen. Your sea legs are very sure underneath you as you saunter across the poop deck of the ship past the uh, unsightly bookkeeper whose eyes are glaring at every box leaving the ship. You were right. Nobody pays attention to anyone carrying things. Oh, I can't believe that worked. W- w- was the person eyeing everybody, did they have a book in front of them or were they just watching at this point? Uh, if you would like to take a closer look, you can. Uh, I'm gonna have you roll investigation though. For you. There's like enough people walking around here that you don't just have unbroken line of sight. You'd have to shuffle close to him and play it cool. So just investigation. I'm better at that, but not with a natural one. <laughs> okay, uh, with an investigation, I'm just gonna say, yeah, you get, uh, you try to get closer to him, um, but uh, there's so many people uh, walking up and down the plank that it's like, it's kind of like uh, going up and down a staircase in Manhattan. Like, if you stop, you're fucking up traffic and it'll just create a clog. So you try to get closer, but uh, you can't and you don't get a closer look at it. So I don't know if he has the book or they have a book or whatever has the book. Um, mm-hmm. Would I think that maybe the book is down in the internals of the ship or maybe there's like a captain's cabin that might have it that I might need to get into? Like, do I have any idea? Based on what Uge told you, it's pretty likely that if it's being, that if it's anywhere, it's being kept down there. Uh, Something as massive as a ship registry, it would probably be noticeable uh, for a big, like a big cargo ship registry like this. And you know that there are quarters on the first deck underneath the ship, but Uge didn't get a closer look beyond that. All right, I will make my way down into the depths of the ship, going into the first level first, if I if I can. And yeah, no, as you walk toward the back of the ship, you see above you the captain and his navigators are uh, looking over the entire ship like a hawk, but the door underneath their feet is not really what they're paying attention to, and you easily shuffle into that past everybody else carrying your medium box. I would like you to uh, roll uh, performance once again. That's another 18 minus two. Rolling sl- rolling hot on performance for some reason. Yeah, you, uh, you slip right in. Nobody's the wiser. Uh, and you enter this. This is just sort of like a foyer, like a transitory room. Uh, you can see there, uh, there's like small stairs down a level and a ladder up to the captain's platform up top. Well, obviously I'm going to go up to the captain's platform and say hello, as is all uh, yeoman's duty. No, I'm going to go. <laughs> well, uh, hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the shortest episode ever. Good night, everybody. I don't know if you've ever played uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, but there's a couple of them. Uh, like I think it happens in two and three where you basically can end the game via time paradox. <laughs> you kill somebody what? that's supposed to be alive in a later game, oh, or yeah, <laughs> it'll just end the game kinda, for you. That's funny. That's better than Morrowind, which like didn't have a fail state, and if you broke the game, you wouldn't find out until like ten hours later. Exactly, perfection, the best main <laughs> game. Uh, so yeah, right. uh, you can. I mean, you can go up to the captain's perch if you want, but I assume that's not what you're doing. No, I will follow the logical route of going okay. in and of discovery. Ooh. Yep, you, uh, at this point, the, the stairs are a little crowded. Um, do you still want to hang on to that box, or are you maybe going to get that out of the way? I'm going to keep on using that box, because it covers up my face a little bit, and it makes me look like I have a purpose on the ship, and I'm not just, like, a guy walking around. Nope, that totally makes sense. Um, you continue down the stairs, you just eking past everyone else. Another performance, please, as another wave of folks are carrying a big hefty chest up to the top of the ship. Oh, that's a three minus two. One. <laughs> All right. You, uh, you, as you're going down the stairs, you bump into one of those folks, causing them to drop the chest. And there's a bit of a, a, a loud, noisy kerfuffle as he says, What the hell are you doing? You gotta stay out of the way. You can't just be in the middle of the stairs. And he, like, looks directly at you. 
uh, like trying to intimidate you. I'm not gonna have you save against it, but he's just like being a big tough guy. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I, I just wasn't watching where I was going, and this this box is this box is big. He looks at the box and he says. Why the hell are you bringing a box downstairs? We're unloading shit off the ship. We're not loading till later. Oh, I mean, I just did what the, the, the dock master, whatever, tells me to do. Deception. Another thing I am amazing at. <laughs> <laughs> Negative two. And that's a seven minus two, five. You are fine. Uh, he just uh, shrugs off and says, yeah, okay, whatever. Watch where you're going. And then he, uh, he picks up his part of the chest and continues upstairs. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> <Just sorry. laughs> uh, I'm gonna. Is there yeah, any. As you say, sucker, the person behind the guy yelling at you hears that. It's like, yeah, I know he's such a fucking dick, right? And he keeps up the stairs past you. <laughs> um. So on the boat, it's. So I'm like kind of down to the depths of this thing. Do I see mm -hmm. like doors or any kind of like. Yeah. I would assume the. the uh, what is it? I can't remember the, his title, but the, the, the bookmaster would have his own probably quarters or at least an area where they work so here now you are a full uh deck underneath the ship the whole poop deck is above you so you can uh see the stairs going up and then stairs going down to one more level lower but there is a giant double doorway in front of you that just looks like a whole series of bunks with another door at the far side and that room is largely empty because everybody's kind of working on the cargo just a couple folks sleeping here and there but yeah you see that giant room in front of you i will enter the giant room all right so you enter the crew quarters and you're surrounded by bunks lockers there's personal items strewn everywhere some things are locked some things are unlocked and uh, there are two folks now that you can see past all like the piles of clothes and and blankets there are two folks uh fast asleep here as you uh, try to move past them, here is where I will have you roll stealth. Can I make a little prayer beforehand? Yeah, I mean, well, didn't you uh, bless yourself? Uh, well, no, I uh, I was using guidance, which is a cantrip. Yeah, sure. Do a little, say a little prayer. Make a little love. Uh, Eleven. Plus one, twelve. Your prayer pays off in spades, and you are rewarded by being a sneaky-footed man. As you creep across this room, it's sort of dawning on you how big this ship really is. Like, ships look big but when you're inside them you're like D this feels like an absurd amount of space for what i just saw from the outside very tardis like uh not actually anything magical it's just a big ship and everybody in the crew needs to be able to be in this room at the same time so it's kind of a disaster uh the disaster fades behind you though as you approach a door labeled captain's quarters oh shit this is the captain's quarters uh does it look like the door is locked uh, it doesn't look like the door is locked, but you could try the handle. Yeah, I'll try the handle. It's locked. Mm, I have no way to get into a locked door, so mm -hmm. I guess I will exit from this room. Okay, so you step back out into the stairwell. Uh, you know that you could go back up to the top of the ship. You also know that you could go a little lower. I guess I'll go lower then. All right, uh, as you make your way down the stairs again, uh, I'm a little bored of the performance checks. I'm going to have you just go ahead and roll... Mm, uh, at this, this is sort of like the choke point where most people are. I'm just going to have you roll a cheeky little ath athletics roll just to try to avoid getting muscled back up the stairs, getting that box knocked out of your hands. I actually rolled pretty well on that. Is a Excellent. 18 minus 1, 17. 17. Uh, it takes you a second. And uh, the guy that you bumped into before is now on his way back up with another crate and just scowls at you on the way up. Yo, sorry, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it last time. Sorry, sorry. And then you hear him muttering as he goes, didn't mean what? What the fuck is wrong with that guy? I didn't mean to crash into him last time. Oh, yeah, he, he's just not picking up what you're putting down. He's just, he's just angry. He's an angry person, and you can't change that. What do I see on this lowest level of the ship, or lower level of the ship? So this room is, it's roughly the same size as the one above you in terms of like uh, height and width, but it's a little shallower. This is the cargo hold. Tons of barrels, tons of crates, also busy as hell. Uh, there is a door on the far end of it. Again, not as far away as the, as the captain's quarters, but there is a, uh, another door at the end of this room. Uh, but this is where most of the people are, so you will uh, undoubtedly be making another one of those very boring performance checks right here. 19 minus 2, 17. 
you're starting to get a couple looks because, again, you're bringing a box into a room that they're trying to make emptier, and people are like, what the fuck is with this guy? But nobody really stops you. Nobody, like, like Chestman the dickhead is, stop is him, really but he's paying. carrying something. Exactly. Nobody stops anyone who's carrying something. It is a rule of the Mage Lords, and it has served you well. Um, so you enter the room. Do you look at anything in particular? What's uh, What are you looking for? Yeah, I'm looking for... I guess, obviously, if I see, like, this... I'm looking for a Hawkins-sized diamond. But also, mm -hmm. I'm looking for a big old book or, like, another what seems to be, like, private quarters or storage yeah. room that might have, like, this this there. I mean, maybe they'd have it down here so they could count everything when it got on board. I don't know. I'll say that you, uh, after spending a couple of moments looking through boxes, you are now drawing more attention than you were before by, like, slowly looking at things instead of just, like, moving towards a specific thing. Um, like, it's starting to seem like you don't know what you're doing and people are catching on to that. So there, you have crossed the room to the point where you're near that door I was mentioning, mm -hmm. uh, but by glancing at every box along the way, you're starting to, to draw a few eyes. What do you do? Uh, so you said I'm close to that door? I'm going to try and open it. You try to open the handle of the door, and it is not locked. Uh, it gives way immediately, but as soon as that click rings out, someone says, Hey, we're not unloading anything from that room. You don't need to go into Precious Cargo. Everything you need is right here. Well, no, I'm not unloading from Precious Cargo. I was asked by the captain to put this in Precious Cargo. He told me not to look inside. I don't know what it is. Uh, make a deception with advantage. I did not expect you to bring uh, a prop with you. <laughs> so first one is a 16. Mm -hmm. Next one's an 11. So 16's better. Plus yep. one, 17. Minus, this is deception? 15 total. This is the most convincing you have ever been in your life. As, uh, as these folks look at the box and look at you and they're just kind of like a little jealous that they don't get to go into Precious Cargo. They want to see what's in there, but no, only you get to do that. Some random dude from an island full of trees? Ugh, that sucks. So they all just kind of leave you alone as you slip into Precious Cargo and shut the door behind you. Yeah, what do I see in there? Do I see any book? Do I see a book? You, you see more crates, but not very many because it is not lit in here. There are no, no torches and no portholes in this room, so uh, you can't see a thing. Um... I'm going to kind of try and search around for like a candle or a light source of some kind. Uh, I don't yeah. have any on me. Uh, investigation with disadvantage. Um, 10. All right. With a 10, you're fumbling around looking for something that could help you see a little more clearly. Uh, you're bumping into crate after crate, barrel after barrel. You're not making too much noise. This stuff is all pretty heavy. So like you're not, you're not knocking anything over, but you're just like toe stubbing your way through this cramped room. As you feel your way along the outer edges of the wall, your hand comes across uh, wood that is not part of the structure and instead feels like a vertical wooden shaft. Uh, when your other hand comes to investigate it, you have found in the darkness a ladder. Uh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go up the ladder, question mark? When you open the, the door at the top of the ladder, your eyes are flooded with brilliant light as sunlight coming through the portholes in the captain's quarters now fill the shaft up which you climb. So now the cargo, precious cargo hold is dimly lit, but you've also found your way into the captain's quarters. All right, I'm gonna jump up in the captain's quarters and give a quick look to see if there's any, if there's that big manifest anywhere. There is an entire rack of like encyclopedias that say uh, registry with different, you know, dates on them. Each one seems to span a couple of years. They're all pretty big volumes, but I mean, the Mage Lords have been at this forever, so they have some pretty thorough records that you're keeping. You can sort of leaf through and go to some of the more recent ones just to see what's what. Yeah, I'll go to the, I'll go to the most recent one, and I'm going to try and find any information on Carter and any information on this fabled diamond. Yeah. So you bring out the most recent volume, the only book that isn't covered in dust and doesn't smell of mold or mildew in some degree, and you uh, slap it onto the ornate desk in front of you. Compared to the rest of the ship, this place is like covered with like gold lining, has a bunch of ornaments uh, mounted to the walls. It's a real little uh, pocket of luxury in a very stinky vessel. But that sort of falls to the periphery as you open this registry. And you see, you know, it's got things sorted by dates, but also broken down by type of cargo. 
as Uge suggested, the registry uh, has stuff listed for materials as well as stuff listed for personnel. As you would expect, the personnel, passenger, and captive section is a lot thinner. They're not hauling as many people as they are nuts and bolts, but um, those are two separate sections. Looking for the diamond that you need for the ritual is not going to be that hard because you're looking for stuff that's on the ship now. After a couple of minutes of scanning through the most recent entries, you find it. Brilliant diamond worth 578 gold pieces is kept in one of the barrels nearest to the ladder right down below you. All right, I'll spend a little more time trying to find any information I can on Carter. All right. So doing that, uh, knowing that you've achieved your goal, you, your confidence carries you forward as you uh, try to tick off this little side quest, get that beacon off your compass. Exactly. And you, you go to personnel, and the section is thinner because there are just not that many entries. Personnel is separate from captives and passengers, which all seem to be lumped together. Flip back a few pages, you see Carter listed as a crew member on the ship. And unfortunately, it mentions that the reason he isn't showing up is that he died at Farpoint three months ago on a routine stop. Oh no, well, Uge's gonna be kind of upset. I'm gonna take a quick look around. Is there anything else of interest in the in, in the captain's quarters? Uh, you can roll investigation if you want. Sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little guidance on myself, because you never know. Plus, uh, it's a 21 total. 21 total, you're glancing around the room, you're flipping open uh, cabinets, you're looking under the cot, under the pillow, opening desk drawers. There doesn't seem to be a lot of valuable stuff in here, just personal stuff, uh, tools for the bookkeeper to keep books and, you know, stuff that the captain probably uses in his daily life, you know, little pillows with cross stitches that he made of people that he likes. This is the fantasy version of a waifu pillow. (laughs) And you sort of like put that down with disgust and there's not much here to find until you go to close the registry because as you are flipping it shut the pages fall open to show you some slightly older records of people on the ship and a name catches your eye Celesta the name of your mother is listed here well that can't can be why would she and I'm, I'm gonna like kind of investigate a little bit further and try and figure out like the time frame and figure yeah. out what, what the, all the details I possibly can so the notes are not robust just as it didn't tell you how Carter died there's not a ton of info here but what you see is her name the date coincides with her disappearance but it says not that she was a passenger but that she was a captive and that she was bought by the mage lords from somebody here on the island when she disappeared bought some weird stuff is like running through Colt's head at this moment he doesn't quite mm-hmm. know how to handle it is there any matches around uh i for sure i think you can find some matches uh in some of the uh in one of the drawers in the desk all right he is going to rip out that sheet of paper. he's going to rip out a couple of the sheets of paper around mm-hmm. celeste he's then going to basically in, the, in, in this current manifest, he's going to close it, put it back on the shelf, leave the back end out a little bit, and then poke mm-hmm. a match into it so it's going to burn down. And then he's going to light a separate match and light that match, and he's going to go downstairs and try and find that diamond real quick and then get out of here. Hold on a second. I need to emotionally <laughs> process all the things that you just said. Um, okay, so let me get this straight. You're basically setting like a fuse timer for the captain's quarters to be engulfed in flames. Yes, Colt uh, is very confused, but all he knows he's angry and he wants to, he, at this point he knows that the mage lords are involved, so he's going to make them pay. <sighs> but he also just doesn't know how to handle this, so he's going to do the thing that he always <laughs> likes to do, which he likes to play with matches. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, Alright, so how long would you say you're trying to get this little fuse to last before it really starts to spread the fire? I mean, it would, uh, the fuse itself would probably last a few minutes, but then once it okay. reaches the book, it would take, it would take a little while for, like, a, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. for everything to catch. So I definitely have some time and there'll be a lot of smoke. So I'll have time. Like, I, my, yeah. Also, this is Ryan being like, this is a great way to cover my escape. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, that's fair. I would like you. Uh, 
Would this be, uh, like, for setting a trap with matches, my brain is going to making a survival check. But I feel like I could also just say that this is something like intelligence, like yeah, sleight of hand. I think it's going to be. I, I would say maybe something like intelligence. Me, I mean, survival would work too. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't feel like survival, even though it's like what you would do to start a campfire. Yeah, I'll have you roll uh, flat intelligence here. Say a little prayer before I do it. That's uh, 12 plus my intelligence at this point is like three. So it's 15 total. Okay, cool. So with a 15, you set this up, you light the first match. You obviously aren't gonna stick around to ensure that it works, but you feel pretty confident. As you are preparing to go back down the ladder into the room below you, you see Uge through the porthole, kind of like waving at you. He you, he can see you from the dock. Nobody else is there, so no one else can see you. But he's mm -hmm. like, come on, you can see him. Like, what the fuck? Come on, man, come on, let's go, let's go. I see, I see his thing, and I'm going to, I'm gonna make sure to close the hatch behind me, mm -hmm. and I am going. Ooh, is there a way I can? Maybe it wouldn't be the great idea to bar the door, um, but I am going to close the hatch behind me. Well, actually, I got to keep it open, and I will see if I can find because I need that mm -hmm. dim light. I'm going to find that because uh, it described the location. It's right next to the ladder. It so did. Gonna... Uh, the mage lords are very well organized as a bureaucracy. So, like, you there was a label for the barrel. You find it immediately. You open it, and it's just a fucking mountain of gemstones. Like, if you would just open this and look at it, you, there's no way you would have known that the diamond was in here, but you know. And after a moment of digging, just as the smell of smoke enters, enters your nostrils, your hand comes across a giant, pure, uncut diamond. That looks pretty dim and craggy on the outside, but when the light above you hits it just right, oh, this is the kind of purity your spell is going to require. All right, yeah, I take that diamond, and I'm going to, like... Try, I guess I would assume I have like a, I'm gonna, my most secret pocket uh, that I have on my person, wherever that might be. I'm not gonna piece it. I realize saying that now. <laughs> I'm not yes, putting my it in my secret pocket. pocket. <laughs> well, it's like Futurama, <laughs> nature's pocket. Uh, but no, I, I'm not doing that. I'm just gonna like, if I have like a breast pocket or something that's kind of like hidden, sure. or maybe even my shoe, if I have like a good hiding spot, I'm gonna uh, do it'd that. Be, it'd be a little too big to fit in your shoe without like really screwing you up. I'd say, yeah, inside of that vest, the vest that you're wearing like has tons of stuff that you can use to hide it. So yeah, you slip it in there. Um, you're not holding your box. Do you grab your box on the way out or no? No, I'm, I'm supposed to be dropping off that box, but I'm gonna burst out. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of. Well, I'm not gonna burst out. I'm gonna very quietly um, mm -hmm. get out of there, close the door behind me, and I'm gonna get about halfway down the room before I go. Uh, hey, do you guys smell that? Smells like fire. Uh, and then some of the folks are like, what? What the hell did you do in there? And they like push past you and they bust open the door and the smoke is starting to eke out. Um, nobody's paying attention to you as like, most of the guys are trying to get off the ship, but some of them are trying to get down and figure out what the fuck is going on. Uh, I thought they were, they were like, oh, they immediately accused me. That's interesting. <laughs> that no, could be like because these, these, are not, these are not officers. These are just, uh, these, are, these are just people trying to make sure that they get their payday, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, and then I'm just going to hightail it out of there I'm just gonna yeah. as quickly as I can. As you make it up to the poop deck, trying to blend in on your way out of uh, the SETI Alpha 4, uh, you are uh, having a hard time getting through that upstairs door. And as soon as you pop out, somebody is there waiting for you with sharp eyes. The bookkeeper stops you and says, What were you doing down there? I was off. I took a book. <laughs> um, I, I was unloading boxes. Unloading begins precisely after the sun crests at the center of the sky. If you look, it is still early morn. Why were you loading something onto the no, ship? No, I was unloading. And I was unloading boxes. And uh, the contradiction confuses him for a moment as the alarm uh, is rung from down below. A loud bell starts dinging, and the folks above deck start ringing their bells too, so everybody gets the memo that something is wrong on this ship, and they begin to evacuate. Um... You're still next to the bookkeeper as everyone tries to run away, but what do you do? Does he seem like he's distracted? Oh, absolutely. He did not expect the alarm to be going Oh, off. I'm rushing past him so quickly. Fantastic. <laughs> just, just, um, not even going to give him any mind, and I'm going to run right by him. Okay, absolutely. I'm be like, oh, fire! <laughs> and uh, when you say that, he says, oh, my 
god, my books! And he starts running straight downstairs, screaming, my books, my books, all of our important records. Oh my goodness, I'll never find those cigars. And you hear his voice echoing as he makes his way deeper and deeper into the ship. Yeah, I'm uh, there like a light. Yeah, you easily disembark the ship with everyone else as the crowd builds by the beach, and Uge steps up to you saying, like, what the, what the hell happened? Did you, did you get it? Did you do that? Did you find out about, what, what's, what the fuck? Well, one, I, I'm sorry. I mean, you're probably going to have to find a, you're probably going to have to find a new job, but, um, they, you know, Carter, the <laughs> uh, second, uh, C Carter has died. And then I'm gonna take out the sheaves of paper because I'm. I, I also. I, I got. I think I found. I would have taken Carter's piece of paper too. I'm gonna hand that to him. And I'm gonna look at mine and show it to him. It's like, and my mother's not dead. I guess she's been sold. I'm gonna um, look back at the like burning ship and it's like, they deserve it. They deserve what they get. He's. He does not even register what you said about your mom, and he's just like. Hand on his forehead, tears are going straight down his face as he like rereads the entry on Carter over and over and over again, and he's just like, "Um, thanks for this. I uh, <sighs> we're we're still on still on for fishing. I'll I'll catch you. Like your dad's waiting up at the temple, right? I'm gonna." And he just like totally trails off in coherent mess as he uh he like he tries to impart his thanks in between the stammering, but he just mm -hmm. sort of moseys away and like collapses on a tree stump just staring at the paper like as he does that i'm gonna like my head starts to like tilt to one side and angles towards the temple my father and i'm going to start heading up that way oh we all know where cult is heading next to the breakaway, obviously, here in Chapter 70 of Dicey Waters, called Sins of the Father. Now, our very wise patrons decided that this would be the title, but also decided there would be another one. Uh, it was, in fact, the gods themselves in the form of a random coin flip that picked the title out of the tie. So here we are, exploring the sins of the father, and believe me, we will be doing just that. So we're going to dive into a couple things here just to get you through the end of the season here, season of the origins, uh, whose name I believe has really come to fruition with this third and final prologue. Uh, there are some loose ends to tie up. The first of which is our community project. This past season, we have been collecting submissions for a community dungeon. Those uh, are supposed to end today. The idea being anybody who submits an idea for a room, an encounter, a fight, uh, a series of cat statues, as I like to keep saying, I will manifest this. If you have an idea for a room in D&D or have one already written out, you can submit it to us at dicepopuli.com community. And we will be putting all of that together into a PDF that anybody can download and play for free. And we're probably going to do that, too. Submissions officially end today, but I'm not going to disable the link for another couple of days just so any last minute stragglers can get their 11th hour submissions in the door. And that'll be available to you at the beginning of the next season, which is, you know, beginning of July. Uh, but let's talk about the episodes we've got coming up in two weeks is going to be our fifth Wednesday bonus episode, and that takes the form of a question and answer with Chowder, diving into everything about meant to be, its conception, its execution, and Mackenzie, you know, all the things we have burning questions about. Uh, it was a very long and crazy adventure, and we probably have a long, lot of long and crazy answers to give. So there are a couple ways that you can participate if you would like to. Option one, don't participate. Just listen to the episode and have a nice time. Option two, submit your questions. If you message us on Twitter, if you add us, or if you uh, participate in our Discord, you can submit questions there. Uh, we and our moderators will be writing down those questions and then going down the list once we are in the recording session. Now option three, and this is where it gets exciting. Anybody who is a patron of Dice Populi on Patreon can actually participate in this recording live. On Wednesday, June 22nd, which is a week from the release of this episode, uh, that day at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, United States, we are going to be holding 
the recording with myself and Chowder. And anybody that has the time that is in our Patreon feed, you are more than welcome to join us. We won't have your voices recorded, but anything you say in the chat, we will read aloud and react to. So we'll have a list of questions prepared, but you can always ask us something on the fly or ask for a little more clarification or just totally try to throw us off our game, whatever it may be. So if you don't have any questions, just listen. If you have questions, please give them to us on Twitter or Discord or our email or however you'd like to get in touch. And if you are a patron or if you become a patron within the next week, please, please come join us in our conversation. They are so much fun. I'm very excited to do it. After that is going to be the beginning of our final adventure. And I have been teasing these details out enough, but, um, well, after meant to be, clearly there were some world-shaping events that took place. And rightfully, that leads us out of Season of the Origins and into the next season. And the adventure that kicks that off is called The New Age. The New Age will feature me as the Dungeon Master, beginning a what is bound to be a very crazy, complicated, exciting, and... Very Josh-inspired adventure, if I'm being honest, in terms of my approach to this. Uh, but we will absolutely be following up on Chowder's closing events of Meant to Be and transitioning into a new story that I've created to round off the end of Dicey Waters. We've started recording this. We don't know how long this adventure is going to be. It may eclipse Meant to Be in terms of length, but only because it is going to touch on so many things that I hope you will all enjoy. So... Once again, round it off. If you have a dungeon submission, get it in now before we close the door. Very excited to put that together. Two, a week from today, we're recording the fifth Wednesday. Get your questions in by then or join us if you're a patron. And in the beginning of July, you will begin to hear the first episode of The New Age, where I am back in the Dungeon Master's chair for everybody. And boy, howdy, is it crazy. Maybe not as crazy as what the rest of this episode has in store. So, thank you for listening to me, and thank you for listening to the rest of the episode. I'm sorry for what's about to happen. <laughs> you enter the Woodholm Temple to Kelish, the god of civilization. Uh, nobody is there aside from your father, Cain, who waits impatiently on a pew near the altar at the front of the main hall. Some of the rabble outside has died down. It seems that being surrounded by water, it wasn't that hard to extinguish a small paper fire, though the bookkeeper's heart is certainly broken and his wails echo through the trees on the island. But all that noise disappears as you shut the door behind you and your footsteps echo as you cross deeper into the temple. Your father notices that you have entered. Cain says, What's got you wasting my time here today? I've been sitting here for an hour. There's work to do, you know. I have a question, Father. You don't know what happened to Mother, right? She just left. God, was this about the ritual spell? Come on, boy, that's a fool's gambit. I know. And I have a distinct feeling that you know especially well, considering she is not dead. He's sort of, like, taken aback by this. He straight up does not know exactly what it is you're implying, uh, but he's getting angry. I'm going to rip out the piece mm -hmm. of paper and, like, throw it at his face. How much drink did it buy you, father? How much was she worth? He just bites his lip and says, hey, she was my best friend, too. Get over it, kid. Like, you can't resurrect a bloodstain. You need a body. We don't have one. That piece of paper doesn't mean anything. Yeah, she was sold into slavery. His eyes narrow as clearly he's not faking his way out of the conversation. Like he's not able to evade what you're saying because you have evidence to back up your claim. And he seems to recognize the importance of that evidence. He may be a skilled cleric, but he is not a very skilled liar. He just says, there's no bringing her back. All right. If you go about this half cocked, you'll get yourself killed. Now, if that is what happened to her, I don't imagine this many years she'd still be kicking. If you try to reach in there and do anything, think about yourself, think about me, think about what you'll do to the village. Oh, that's right, you're not thinking. You never think, you don't think straight. Oh, you're over there making zombie frogs on the beach or some stupid shit. Tell me what happened. Intimidation? Another thing I am famously amazing at. Let's see here. <laughs> uh, intimidation, negative two. 
So a total of 16. When you step forward and say, tell me, your voice deepens and a darkness comes over your eyes in a way that he hasn't recognized. He's always seen your predilection with trying to save your mother as something, if not dangerous, at least disruptive or sort of a distraction, kind of like, oh, uh, nobody wants to have to deal with that kind of obsession, right? But he sees now it's gone beyond that. And with the revelation that you've come across this time, he's truly afraid that what was an obsession is now like justified anger that he can't contain. And he says, don't for Kella's sake, she's gone. If she died, it wasn't here. The mage lords were gonna take us away from this place. I can't leave. My work, it isn't done. Your work? Oh, listen, I know Drunkenly you know. sobbing to a mass of people that could care less about you. That is your work? He sort of like growls and tries to dismiss what you're saying. You can smell uh, some of the meat on his breath as he uh, angrily shouts, there's power here. Power the maids lords are afraid of. And with it, we can be free. She bought me time. Time I desperately needed. Show me then, Father. You always talk about the time that you need and work of your own hands. Show me then what your hands and time have wrought. He looks kind of disoriented at this point, just like not knowing how to address the situation. He didn't expect to be pushed to this point of anger. He tries to leave and then he turns back to you and says, I can't let you fuck it all up. And he turns to leave again and stops one more time. You know, if only I'd sold you, but she was worth more. He's looking at you with disgust, but his words echo in your mind. The dark powers of the spell won't work, not without a body. And you see one standing in front of you, seething with anger, ripe for sacrifice to the spirits below. Oh yeah, I'm gonna stab him. <laughs> Straight up yeah. stabby stabs. Cool, I'm not even gonna have you make an attack roll. Like, he's clearly off his rocker, he's clearly angry, he does not have the reflexes to stop what you're doing. What do you stab him with? Well, I guess I won't stab him. So, I, I, you know, everybody's got like a knife or whatever. I'm definitely going to like sure. flip it and then hit him with the hilt to like knock him out because I need I need fresh blood for this ritual. So he needs to be. If you're going to hit him with that and attempt to like knock him down and out, uh, I am going to have you make an attack roll. So that would, would be a 19 total to hit. Okay, so with a 19 total, he's uh, he's spitting in your face, seething with anger. You feel his terrible breath sort of like blasting across your face, pushing your, your hair back. When you hit him in the head with the hilt of this, his eyes... You know how eyes sort of like tilt inward when you're focusing on something close to you? Yeah. As soon as you hit him, they go straight as if he's staring dead past you and he collapses onto the floor, like moaning, writhing, like not able to talk. Like you have really knocked him off. I'm gonna, cause I assume he's like heading for the door and have the door open. I'm going to pull him in a little bit, close mm -hmm. the door, latch it, and then I'm gonna take some of his vestments off and I'm going to tie him up with his vestments. Because they all got, you know, like tassels and stuff like that. Yep. I'm going to start tying him up with that and slowly making my way to the center of the room yep. where I'm going to start preparing my spell. All right. So he's uh, he's up there bleeding out of his head. He's muttering and whimpering, but no solid words can come out. He's just, uh, you could tell if he could speak, he would be pleading for his life. But all you hear are the incoherent ramblings of somebody who is slowly bleeding to death with a serious concussion as he's strapped up by his own vestments. Oh yeah. Does does Colt say that? Oh yeah, brother. No. <laughs> <laughs> Another cult bursts through the wall of the yeah. temple screaming, oh Fu yeah. Future cult comes in and is like, sorry, <laughs> I brought my popcorn. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm gonna start preparing my spell, getting all the, you know, I'm assuming it's gonna need some candles and some other, you know, herbs and whatever. I start setting up a bunch of candles. I'm gonna, you know, he goes around and gets the candles, sets them up in like a various like diagram. He gets mm -hmm. like a big old sensor, puts it in the center, you know, gets whatever herbs are from the back for, you know, whatever mm -hmm. ceremonies and stuff that he needs. And he's gonna start lighting that up and he's gonna, you know, you know, take a big old huff of those delicious yeah. herbs. As he's bleeding and his blood pools underneath him, it's taking you long enough to set up that he finally is able to get some words out and he says, you, just, you, you can't cast the spell on me, I'm alive. And he just starts sobbing uncontrollably. Well, uh, don't worry. 
by the end of it, you won't be alive. And I'm gonna like reach down and I'm gonna like take I'm take my hand and I'm gonna like run mm -hmm. it through some of the blood and I'm gonna start drawing the circle, um, mm -hmm. the spell circle. And I'm just gonna like be very slowly kind of like humming to myself as I do it. One way or another, Father, we will be meeting Mother soon. So when you say that, his whimpering sort of like peters out as he resigns to his fate at your hands. Oh yeah, I'm going to then like once I've completed the spell circle, like the last little bit is you know I, he he's got it he's got to go. So I'm gonna like grab his body and like start getting. I'm gonna basically put him into the spell circle. So you tear you tear him down from the from the knots and the rags that you've used. Uh, to suspend him over your circle and you throw his body on the ground and there is a very loud, quick thud as there is not any energy in his body to resist and he continues to bleed out in a circle uh, of his already spewn blood. So yeah, I'm gonna like put him, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna angle his head and neck over the brazier and I'm gonna be oh, like, God. Father, like I said, we are going to meet Mother again and if you haven't thought that I didn't think about doing this for years and you what you've taken from me I will find a way to bring her back if this doesn't work I'll find another pudgy piece of drunken trash to kill and I will keep on doing that until I figure out a way I hope I pray that you find yourself in the deepest, darkest layer of hell, you filth. And I'm gonna like... He starts to like fuss with his lips as he's trying to get out one last insult, spitting, dribbling, barely able to form the words, but before he can, your father collapses dead on the ground beneath you. Pathetic. And then I'm gonna start doing the chant. Like I'm assuming there's like gonna be some, you know, some speaking stuff. So I'm gonna start doing chanting. Here and... is where... I'm going to have you make a couple of checks. Interesting. The first roll is going to be an, Arca an Arcana check. Right, Arcana. Uh, and for this, as you begin to chant under your breath, you feel dark energies from beneath the island swell and grace your fingertips. Let me know what you roll. Uh, you, uh, you have advantage on this, by the way. So that's going to be an 18 total. As, uh, as the blood of your father sort of creeps across the floor and washes over your feet, uh, the obvious uh, dead body needed to try and begin a resurrection sort of exchange here uh, is satisfied, and you feel the powers grow more and more in tune with you. Nothing like what you felt on the beach. Nothing like you felt trying to bring plants back to life. Your father is right. There is something at work on this island that you are tapping into. And I would like you to make another Arcana check uh, with double advantage. All right, so it was an 18 plus like seven, so 25. Yeah, absolutely. As you're doing this, the diamond that you stole from the ship, you feel it rattle in your pocket as it slowly floats up and hovers in the air in front of you. And as it does, and as the chants and whispers fall out of your mouth, the diamond begins to glow and disintegrate as it uh, is consumed by the spell. The power rises further in your body, and your sacrifice has furthered your progress. Now there's one last thing that you need. The verbal component, the chant. You've been practicing this for years. You've built up this spell, you've tested individual components of it, and you believe you have exactly what you need to commune with the forces that engage with death, at least death as we know it. What is that chant? Ooh, I did not expect to be coming up with a chant. Uh, yeah. They're putting me on the spot here. Um, forces that bind. Uh, does it have to actually be a chant? or Because I don't got any good rhymes it's, going. It's it's your spell, man. I, I was mm. pulling chant from what you said. I don't have anything about chants in my ends. This is just a verbal component uh, mm. to the spell. The forces that bind. Show me what tries to hide. Give me the strength to find what I most desire. 
So you say these words over and over again. Uh, after the diamond disappears, you feel as though you are no longer just channeling energy, but communing with something greater. And you can't help but begin to shout the words as they echo in between the stone walls of this temple in an otherwise mostly wooden village. Now, I would like you to make one more roll okay, okay. with your performance modifier. Oh, okay, why? <laughs> Because it's, it's funny. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hey, 13 minus 2, 11. It's not, uh, all right. you know, it's, it's straight down the middle. Yep, okay. So as you, uh, <laughs> uh, as you continue to chant, the powers continue to course through you. <sighs> the touch of magic is usually, it's like kind of bright and crackling, but this is something else. Your senses are overwhelmed by the void as you feel life-draining from your youthful body. In your ears, a low, dark whisper says, No communion with destroyers. Power courses through you, and you feel an excruciating pain. Turns out your father was right about one thing. This spell is going to hurt you. As you stand here in the middle of the church, you sense that you've knocked on the door of the greatness you were trying to access with any hope to see your mother again. Though you may have your vengeance, you have lost a part of yourself. Your own skin curdles, it grows whiter and stretched. Some of your hair singes away, and you are screaming with an inordinate amount of pain. Beyond what you're feeling, you have no awareness of what's happening around you, and you collapse to the ground. Fun. Your senses return to reality, and you try to look around at what's going on in the temple. The ground underneath you has been blown downward. There is soot stretching across the floor. The doors swing open, the windows are shattered, and everything that is not made of stone in this room is ablaze. As you come about, you feel incredibly weak. You would comment on the disfigurement of your own body if you had the wherewithal to notice it. But all you notice at the door is Uge standing, flailing wildly, rushing in to help you. Uge. He, uh, he steps out. He says, oh my god, what the hell happened to your voice? And he, he picks you up. He's trying to bring him out. He's like, what happened here? Is that... Is that your dad? This, oh my god! He, like, sparks are falling all around you as he drags you out in front of the door outside of the temple. There's no really damage beyond the temple itself, but it is in pretty bad shape. I did it, Uge. I did it. Wait, hold. You, you did what? What did you do? And as he's asking that question, you hear the dinging of the ship. It should have disembarked by now, but because they had to stop and tend to the fire and make some repairs, the mage lords never left, and they are flooding up the path to the church now. You know what they're after. They detected your spell, and they're coming for you. What do I do? Uh, do I uh, feel, like, mm -hmm. empowered? Do I feel super, like, powerful with arcane power? This is your Marvel movie introduction <laughs> origin story. You fly away! Yeah. You feel like you can move. You're in a lot of pain, but you are. your faculties are coming back to you. It's more like waking up after being drunk than it is, like, waking up from, I don't know, like, a fucking coma. I've never woken up from a coma, so... But you, you're you're coming too, and Uge doesn't notice the Mage Lord's running up. He's just focused on you, like, uh, Cult, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what happened, but I need to make sure you're okay. Just get me out of here, Uge. Just get me out of here. What do you mean out of... And he, and then he turns around and sees the Mage Lord's coming up uh, behind you, and he's like, Oh, shit. Oh, that was you, wasn't it? That was... Was that the spell? The Like, what you did with the... Tur turtles? Did you try to? Oh my! F okay, okay. Um, and he he panics. He tries to help you up, and he starts uh, as you're limping, and you start to gain your footing, pull you toward the back of the church. Assuming you cooperate, you start moving at a brisker yeah, pace yeah. with him. I, I cooperate. So he's just gonna say, uh, 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 the North Beaches. If we if you can lose him in the woods, you make it to the North Beach. Take a ship and get the fuck out of here, man. Thank you, Hugo. And I will and repay uh, your kindness. And he uh, and he he brings you all the way to the edge of uh, the woods. I'd like you to make a Constitution save and an Athletics check. 
That's a 15 plus one, so 16 for the con save. It's not as good, it's a two. That's a two, okay. As Uge tries to let you go, you uh, begin stepping toward the woods. You feel as though you're able to deal with the pain, but you're still left a little bit weakened by what happened and you begin to stumble. Uh, when Uge notices you stumbling, he outstretches his hand, it's like, do you need me to come with you? I can come. You can tell he's nervous about offering to go, but he wants to make sure you're okay. Sure, come with me, Uge. Okay, okay. He scoops under under your arm and he continues to help you uh, out of the town. Uh, the mage lords are hot on your heels, but you approach the edge of the woods, which you know how to navigate, and they don't. Please roll Constitution, Survival, and Perception. All right, Constitution is an 18. You have disadvantage on survival. 10 for survival. Uh, perception is five. Okay, so you're making your way through the woods and despite Uge's help, you are starting to stumble a little bit. Normally there would be a lot of sunlight coming through the trees, but you're just now noticing that what was uh, supposed to be nice afternoon sunlight is now blocked out by a sheet of dark, nearly black clouds hovering over the island. You hear the mage lords approaching you as you make your way through the woods. The North Beach isn't far. It's sort of an inlet, so it's not like you need to cross the entire island, but you're not there just yet. I'd like you to one last time roll a constitution save and an athletics check and a nature check. All right, con is 19. I'm rolling like pot potatoes on that. And then what were the other two? Uh, Athletics with disadvantage. All right, so athletics was a seven. And then what was the other one? Nature. Uh, like a 20-something for nature. You're making your way through the woods, but the mage lords are getting impossibly close. As you get to the point where you can just sort of like descend the slope, get to a boat and run away, Uge lets go and pushes you ahead and uh, is just waving at you to keep going and says nothing. Uge, come with. There's no way. Uh, as, uh, as he says that, he's like, no! This is a hell of a way to go. I'm glad it was with you. And he turns around and runs straight toward the mage lords. Okay, no! No, okay, no! no. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he runs into the woods. Uh, you could stop and look, but the mage lords will surely catch you if you do. What do you do? I keep, I keep, on, I keep on running as best I can. The mage lords seem to have stopped upon capturing Uge, and you slide down the uh, embankment to the beach and limp your way uh, to a small dock. This is obviously not where the trading happens, but there are some sailboats, some rowing canoes. What do you do? I'm going to look for a boat. All right. What kind of boat do you take? There are several. Uh, just the, like the kind of boat that a single person can manage. So like not cool. a, you know, not a massive ship, but something a little more reasonable. Are you thinking something with sails or something you have to row? Oh, sails for sure. You struggle your way onto the deck of one of these uh, small sailing ships. You untie the ropes and unfurl the sails and let the wind uh, slowly carry you out to sea. You're not too concerned about it, but you're bumping a lot of docks and boats on the way out. But you make it. And as you drift off to the sea, the smoke of the clouds and of the fires behind you fade away, and a feeling of disorientation begins to take over. Your movements feel disconnected from you. Not laborious, but your body is delayed, lagging just behind your intentions. When your eyes finally scan the sky above you and the sun uh, crests over the horizon out from behind the clouds, you realize everything is slowing down. The waves are grinding to an impossible halt, yet your perception is spared. You hang in the most utter silence you have experienced. It's terrifying. The silence is broken, suddenly and completely, by an unworldly shriek. The sound is like a thousand breaking instruments, but at its heart is a voice. Your ears feel no pain, but your mind is in agony. After your harrowing communion with the deep, however, it is refreshing to feel the warmth and brightness that you associate with magic, rather than whatever darkness you felt before. From the heart of this cacophony, the ailed voice assembles into something you can understand, even if the sound brings you no relief. I cannot find you! The cry echoes. You've never heard this voice, and you somehow think that you never will. There is warmth and care and power. It washes over you, but you still feel incredibly cold. Where did you go? Uh, I'm, I'm 
I'm here. I'm, I'm right here. I would like you to roll Arcana. Uh, not super great. Uh, nine total. When you reply, the answer doesn't seem to totally account for the words you're saying. Instead, you hear, I felt you close by. I yearn to be united at last. Who, who are you? Please roll persuasion. Twelve. They pull eternally at the threads of my intent. They are desperate to weave their own to stop the cataclysm ahead. What cataclysm? Roll insight. 116. Truth. The irony of chaos, gods felled by mortals. We have faded beyond legend, and we cannot build the way home. Again, again, it's like, who are you? I'm just going to have you roll flat charisma. 18 minus 2, 16. You are so distant. Why can I not see you? Am I early? Are you late? What do you want? My own edges escape me, but I feel them burning now. My domain closes in. Will I die alone? Your mind struggles to conjure another question in reply to this nonsensical voice. The disorientation grows with the painful shrieking until it finally relents. The relief is powerful, and so is the voice, speaking with renewed calm. There you are, all of you, a family again. A slow, deep breath echoes inside of you. An unchanging world is as cold as an unchanging heart. Come to me before I depart. Your family deserves a home in this new age. If you do not take it, they will. Goodbye, for now. Sensation withers entirely and you slump onto the planks under you. The exchange fades, not from memory, but from clarity. It rests in your mind like a powerful dream. Compelling. Inscrutable. But your curiosity is drowned by the rumbling thunder booming over the open sea, and what remains in your mind is the void that filled you during your failed ritual. Or perhaps it wasn't a failure. After all, the air by your head ripples and into existence pops a small creature. You would be scared if not for the friendly gaze its one eye holds upon you. In the absence of other friends, you know what this grotesque little gazer's name will be. Okay. Though you have lived here your entire life, you've never crossed so far into the sea before. Here all is new, for better or for worse. Your home is gone, your family is lost. Your future begins. Welcome to the Badlands, cult. I was able to fall back on some of the stuff I built out, but yeah, I did not expect you to set the boat on fire. Well, I mean, in the original, when the original story said, I, I think I said that I like burned down my village. So yeah. I was like, might if as well you, get this started. Yeah. So what I had was um, I was tracking a bunch of things that led up to the success of the ritual and had the ritual been more successful, the ritual would have set like the entire fucking town on fire. Mm. So, so stuff like that. Uh,